Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of In the Clock End with myself, not Steve. Yes, this sounds different. Uh, myself, Kelvin, will be hosting. I'm joined with our Arsenal fan all the way from the Netherlands, Liam. How are you, mate? I'm good. Uh, as we just discussed, uh, the weather's a bit here, there and everywhere, which makes for in- um Makes it interesting when trying to decide whether to go anywhere or not. Not that I can go to many places. Um, but how's it, how's it going over in Ireland? Yeah, much the same as you guys, I think. Um, things are still closing early over here. There's curfew. I think it's around 8, eight o'clock. Everything seems to kind of be, you know, shutting down. Restaurants, etc., bars. You know, all the usual jazz. So it's, it's much the same over here. Look, as much as we love talking about the weather, crikey, yeah, it's... It's just been a bit normal, really. Nothing to write home about. But I mean, just before we get stuck into too much, um, if, if anyone's wondering where Steve is, Steve's just taken a little break from the podcast. All is well. Um, nothing bad has happened. Um, but obviously, look, we will look forward to welcoming Steve back to hosting the podcast, hopefully in the next week or two. Um, but he's just taking a bit of time out, which, do you know what? The way Arsenal treat us over the years, I don't blame him, to be perfectly honest with you, even though things are good right now. But look, I guess there's only one thing for us to do then, really, Liam. Uh, Let's do our favourite thing that we like to do when Steve's not around, and that's get heavily stuck into the match. And Steve's more of a, look, this is what I thought, and yeah, let's just talk about something else, which is also quite nice, (laughs) especially when you've lost. But um, we may as well just get stuck into it. There's lots to unravel, and there's lots that we've probably already listened to Already, obviously, we're a little bit delayed getting uh, getting involved in in the post match um, you know reaction. Also, I guess you know we've got Liverpool coming up in in the in the cup, uh, so we'll do a quick review um, of that that game. That's on Thursday night, uh, and obviously, yeah. So, Liam, I'm just going to throw it straight over to you, uh, and I guess we may as well. There might not be any order here. There's you know subjects that we want to touch upon. I'm not going to do the whole linear approach. I think that's probably be done to death uh, at this stage. But before we get into the actual game itself, how did you feel going into this one um, pre-match? Um, I'm not sure if optimism is the right word, but I, I didn't feel... I'd be lying if I said... I felt a sense of dread in the same mm. in the same way that I did going up to Anfield, for example. Mm. Um, it helps that we've just won three on the spin, scoring four, five, and five. One was mm. against League One opposition, but away from it. home as well. Yeah, five mm. away from home at Norwich, four away from home at Leeds. I'm not sure I went into this with the, with quite the sense of dread I normally did. It's also we're at home. Mm. Um, that does help me feel a bit better about things because we are just so much better at home. That's a fact. So, yeah, I I can't say I was necessarily optimistic per se, but I I certainly weirdly didn't have any kind of dread. You didn't, yeah, you didn't have that shit the bed feeling, I guess, is a blunt way to put it of this could end terribly. And I think, you, you know, you touched on the one thing which probably gives us all that, that, dare I say it, home comfort, right? Um, we are very good at home, um, which is great. And, you know, you, you compared it to going to Anfield, that's a way. And yeah, it makes sense, I guess. But yeah, I didn't have that dread either. I think it might have nagged me a couple of times in the back of my mind. Naturally, it's Arsenal playing, you know, a 
large you know large opposition which always gets me a bit worried but yeah I didn't have that that fear that we were going to get our pants pulled down um and I think I mean look let's state the obvious we all wanted the same thing in this game right we all wanted to see the performance first and foremost the result could then follow afterwards um I think that's just being realistic going into the game and look, we got it I mean, that, that's just my, I mean, I say we, right? And I, you know, I'm using that on a much wider scale than I probably should do. But I think we all recognise, well, most of us recognise that, you know, City are way ahead of us as a Liverpool. Um, Liverpool might not be as far ahead as this as we think sometimes. But um, yeah, it, it was good to go into it and, yeah, stand up for ourselves and yeah. fight for the shirt, fight for the fight for your own name as well. Do you know what I mean? It's your it's your career as much as it's an Arsenal greater good and all that thing. But yeah, it was it was it was a, a nice feeling going into this one where you didn't fear it too much, and I was excited. And then I think, I mean, I was very quickly I'll say that 15, 20 minutes in, I'm not sure how you felt, but I really started to enjoy the game because I think. History has taught me to not get carried away, um, especially with the opening exchanges of any football match. And that's whether you go 1-0 up or against a runner play or if you're dominating. It's the first 15 minutes. Anything can happen the following you know, hour and 15 or however long it is. So with that in mind, I just think it was just great for us to stand up. It was great to feel that we were in the game, but it wasn't just like it's 0-0 we're in the game. It was we're in the game and we're playing well. Um, and we were causing City all sorts of problems, weren't we, in those open exchanges? Yeah, throughout the entire half, um, re really. And that, that's what impressed me so much. I think, as you were just talking about us going into the game, there was, mm -hmm. I think it stems from a place of confidence in ourselves. Because it'd be mm -hmm. quite easy to look at City and go, well, they've just smacked Leeds 7, 7-0. Seven um, mm -hmm. They've come through the other end with a a 1-0 but a comfortable 1-0 against Brentford who are decent at home mm. and when City get on a winning run they're very difficult to stop very very difficult and they're in so, that as well you know as I was saying yeah exactly but mm. I th and then I think as the game wore on not only us fans having confidence in the team pre-game but actually the, the team themselves, the, the squad mm. of 11 on that pitch, seemed to have a, a level of confidence in their own ability. And so mm. much so that they were like, you know what, we're going to take the game to you guys, the best team mm. in the league at this current moment in time, at least, um, mm. and play with such a, a positive kind of manner. Um, mm. I, I've said many a time, I think now on, on this podcast, that in, intent really matters. That's very important to me personally uh, as a coach Couldn't as well. Yeah. And that, yeah, just that intent to play and that intent to go, you know what? We're not going to sit on our haunches, hope we can hold you guys out as long as possible and nick mm. something. We're going to, we're coming into this game with the intent to win it and the intent to play good football, sustainable mm. football that helps us at, uh, win the game. Um, is organically the right word? more yeah if you I see where that. i'm coming from in that respect yeah no and absolutely that, yeah not chelsea away last season where uh we nick a slightly fortuitous goal and, and hoped for the best mm. it was a uh, we're taking this to you mm. and we're good and we're going to show you we're good 
and we yeah. can show how we can play. And that really encouraged me. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you, you mentioned it on this podcast. And I think, you know, when you said that, I couldn't help but think I probably said something around the same lines. And that's the line that springs to mind that I've said over the, the last year or so since we started doing this was, I want us to be proactive instead of reactive uh, in these sorts of situations. And that's exactly what I'm starting to see. And the one thing uh, to, to, to touch upon something else you said, and that was you were talking around, you know, going into the game, it's we've got that, that trust and that faith in the squad. In, and I say squad, I say, you know, there's a, a very strong core of starting 11. We know what that starting 11 is right now, right? You go to any Arsenal fan and you can pretty much, I'd say 99% of the time, Everybody will be able to pick that starting 11 right now. But what I really liked about this particular fixture, um, and kind of touching on what you said, was we stuck with it. Mm. We didn't try to do anything fancy. We didn't try to, you know, come up with some fancy-ass plan to, to, to mitigate City's approach to how they want to play football. We just took our game to them, which is, again, something I've been saying for ages. I want us to be, you know, I'd rather lose trying. Do you know what I mean? It's hmm. I'd rather us do that than just turn up, try and defend, concede, try and then nick one on the break, concede again, and then just heads will drop. We've seen that over and over again. Yeah, and I think what we still we we carried out our game plan against Leeds and against Norwich, and we've gone, hmm. oh well, there was at least a hint of, well, they're pretty crap. Leeds squad was in tatters, Norwich are just hmm. shit. And we go, mm. well, there's a caveat to it. Well, we've just done it against the best team in the league. Uh, we might not have got the result this time for reasons or potentially for reasons that we will discuss later on. But mm. um, the fact that we could carry out our way of playing to that performance against the best team in the league. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, it's spot on. And, you know, we did do it against Norwich and Leeds. And yeah, everybody's like, well, it's just Norwich, it's just Leeds, relegation fodder. We've seen it all, but... You, know, you look at some of the results recently, no one's blowing away those teams at the minute. Newcastle drew with United recently, I believe. I believe. Yeah. Was, I mean, I'm just thinking. using relegation, those bottom teams. Um, you know, Spurs didn't exactly blow away one of them recently or someone lost. I mean, look, it's always when Arsenal do it, it's, you know, it's downgraded, right? Uh, but if anyone else does it, they will beat us. So it's it's kind of one of them. To be honest, with you, I'm not really sure where I'm going with that point. I've lost my trail of thought there, Liam. Uh, so we're just going to move into the game. <laughs> if that's all right with you, um, I'll open it up to you. We may as well just get straight into it. Uh, we've obviously discussed the first kind of 15, 20 minutes there where we look great. Do you want to just go straight into the first? You know, I say the first goal is our only goal, unfortunately. Do you want to uh, give us your your two cents worth on on the goal? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that really stuck with me with it. So, uh, well, this bit didn't really stick with me, but it quite pleased me that it starts with Ben White nicking the ball off of De Bruyne, who mm. is given us all sorts of problems in recent years. And he is the one player or one of the few players that I absolutely dread seeing on that Emirates pitch yeah. um, or when we have to go to uh, his own stomping ground. Mm. Um, so it was, it was kind of like a, a nice feeling that it was him we took the ball off but besides it was good football to get the um, to get up the pitch from that point onwards uh, passes involved Jack is involved with a very positive uh, pass forward um, mm. I've criticised him for for perhaps being a bit negative and a bit safe from time to time but this was good mm. so he gets credit um, mm. 
And what, but what I really liked, or the bit that sticks with me the most, is Tierney's pass into Saka. Um, mm. Not because it was special, not because it's a technically complicated pass to play, or you wonder how the hell he's found Saka from that position. Mm. I just like that he has a man, I think it was Martinelli, on his outside. Mm. And we've been... How often have we seen that we just go out to the left, whip across and recycle, rinse and repeat? Um, mm-hmm. But he's not taken that safe option. He's gone, you know what, City, I don't care that it's Manchester City. I mm-hmm. see an opportunity. I believe that I can make this pass and that when it reaches Saka, he can do something with it. Mm-hmm. And he's played that p- pass into him that risks losing the ball in a central zone that they can expand from. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's got its reward. And it, it wasn't the most difficult pass in the world. It's not the best assist no. in the world. But it's just that, again, what I said about intent and that positive attitude mm. towards against a really good team, the confidence in ourselves, that was yeah. just really pleasing. And that 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 was kind of symptomatic of the performance. That's why it stuck with me a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you you know, you. what I'm thinking of there is, you know, composure as well when you get into these areas. Um, I mean, how many times have we seen, uh, you know, an Arsenal player, any player, you know, get into that position and they're just, just fire it across, regardless of whether anyone's there. And you'll, you'll hear the commentator go, it's a great ball, but no one's there. And my initial thought is, well, if you've got his head up and have a fucking look, there's no one there. It's not a good ball, is it? <laughs> like, I've seen that far too many times where players play a good ball that looks good, but there's nobody there, so it's not. Uh, and then also you see crosses just get over, you know, overhit as well if they're going looking for somebody in the air. And let's be realistic. I mean, not that team. We don't have the the striker to to play that that kind of football. So I like the fact, like you, he's you know he's picked out a man. You know he's he's cut it back to a certain extent. You know Lacazette did really well, uh, blocking off a couple of the defenders, which enabled Saka to come on to 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 take that chance. And it's it's a lovely finish as well. To be honest with you, it's it's just tucked away. And again, I, I, a young player, you know Saka. We you know we, you can't speak highly enough of the kid to be honest but how many times would you you know we're just talking about composure uh you know how many times would you see even an experienced player come on to that and just think they need to put you know brute force laces through it especially against someone like edison um you know if you want to beat a great keeper speaking to a keeper you know yourself um sometimes that quick early snapshot will catch you out um if you catch it with pace but it's Sometimes also you'll appreciate also appreciate this as a goalkeeper, and it's sometimes that placement will just get you. Um, and that's that's what did Edison. It was a great finish. It was placed, you know, to perfection in in my eyes. And you know, we deservedly went one up. Um, I think we all got a little bit excited. I certainly did. I haven't celebrated a goal like that, Liam. To be perfectly honest with you, with a bit, you know, I was only in the living room, but with a bit of passion uh, because, again, my eyes were telling me that. We're in this game. We're not only just in it, we've taken the lead here and we've barely been troubled by one of the greatest teams in Europe at the minute, um, let alone the league. So there were lots of positives. And once we scored, <laughs> I certainly felt this, but I just thought, let's just get to halftime. Because as soon as we score, we've spoke about this, we like, we like to kind of sit off. And when it's someone like City, I really thought we might have done it even more. We didn't do it, I'll have to admit. But sorry, I thought you wanted to come in there, you know, when I was saying, let's get to half time. You obviously laughed, maybe you thought it yourself. 
yet there was an element of me that going, not just just get to half time, sit in two banks of four and everything. There was a part mm. of me that goes, it was more like a, oh, please, God, let us get into half time at least one nil. Mm. And then, like, I think you were going to go into this, but um, a couple of minutes after the goal goes in, we're seeing us, we're still playing in such a positive manner that mm. I go, I've kind of ended up flipping and I went, I wonder if we can get a second before half time. Yeah, no, I, I did. Yeah. I'd say that. No, I did as well. But that's, do you know what? These are the sorts of things, Liam, like what you've just said there. I and mean, it's only a little thought. You could be saying it with your mates in a group. You could be doing it on your own. But one of the things that I think, you know, I certainly enjoyed, and I, actually, I know most of us probably enjoyed it, is, it, you know, we talk about performance and, you know, being proactive, taking the game to, to opposition, you know, to be able to take it to City in the way that we did. Um, and just one of the other things I want to touch on really quickly is, you know, we go back to that Leeds game and you said that squad was, you know, in, in pieces, right? Yeah, it was. Everybody likes to talk about the age of squads. Look at the age of this Arsenal squad at the minute. It's, it's frightening, to be honest with you. And the, it is mad, isn't it? I think, you know, we talk about, you know, the fluidity of football opinion, uh, especially from a fan perspective or even a pundit, actually. Um, you know, you look at where, you know, the roller coaster ride we've been on since Arteta's come in. And that, you know, just having that bit of patience, I think, is, I think, and I hope, is going to pay off for us. Because if we continue on that trajectory, excuse me, <clears throat> that we're on at the minute, look, three points would have been lovely. It really, really would have. But if you would have told me we would have performed like that and still in lost, I think there's a lot to take of that moving forward um, from a confidence aspect. It's self-belief. It's, it's knowing that, yeah, we can beat fucking Leeds 5-0. That's great, lads. Really enjoy it. Scoring five goals is wonderful. But can we go and compete with the big boys? Um, we came up a little short against Liverpool not long ago. That's a pretty similar starting lineup. Uh, but something, you know, we, we've said it, that togetherness is there. Something's changed. Something's clicking in this squad. Um, dare we, you know, dare we look back to the, the signings that we made in the summer? Um, all of them are starting on a regular basis and contributing highly. So, yeah, I mean, 1-0 up. We were all in a, in a winter wonderland at that point. I mean, I certainly was. I mean, I was dreading New Year's Day, to be honest with you. But it, it started <laughs> relatively well. But look... After halftime, once we'd all had a wonderful 15 minutes of just all the what-ifs flying around your head and, oh, Jesus, we could fight for the league next season. No, I'm only joking. I'm not going to get that carried away. Sorry, you want to come in there. I can see you're itching to say something. No, I was just going to say Twitter was a very good, fun, fun place to be for that 15-minute halftime. Very fun place to be. <sighs> yeah, I can imagine it was. Twitter's a strange place, full stop. Um, I try to avoid it as, as much as I can. Because opinion is strong, one way or the other. Mm. You, and being like the man I am, and you guys know, I love sitting on the fence. You can't sit on the fence on Twitter. It's not allowed. It's against, it's against their terms and policies, from what I've read. Obviously, that's a joke. So, after halftime, you're kind of wanting to see that, you know, because the, you know, the whole momentum was with us going into halftime. We wanted to, you know, for me, I wanted to see that we could, pick that back up against the, you know, the, the champions. Uh, and could we continue the pace in which we were playing? Because I think that was one of the things maybe I was slightly concerned with in the first half as much as I was enjoying everything. It was, can you, you know, play at this ferocious pace for 90 minutes? 
they did it with a man less as well. We may as well acknowledge that quickly. But mm. should we dip our toe into the controversy? Yeah, I think came? just before we just before we do get to there, though, I think we did mm. start the half. I don't remember a lot of the what was it? Probably about ten minutes of that half. I don't remember a lot besides mm. Martinelli winning a corner somehow hmm. from was it Rodri's in I don't even know how to describe that tackle hmm. I use air quotes um and I, I seem to recall that, that well that stuck with me a little bit and suggested me we were quite positive and I am jumping slightly ahead but hmm. after their after their goal their equalizer we're straight up the other end because we all know what happens so I hmm. think we did actually intend to go out there again and keep it up and for a period yeah. of time, we did. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the... It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Because I think there's so many different caveats or different ways you could come and look at this this game from an Arsenal perspective. And you could pick out so many positives. Like, you know, coming out for the second half is great. I, I agree with you. I think we did. But the thing that really stood out for me, and even with 10 men against this, this City team, Ramsdale was fairly untroubled throughout the game um i don't recall them creating many chances where they cut us open like they do a lot of sides as well week in week out we contain them and i you know i think god knows what stream you're probably watching over in in the netherlands but they kept you know the commentary team over here were constantly touching on the structure of this squad and how well set up it was and you know you could see that and there were you know, you could see any time that Ben White wanted to, you know, wanted to do his little marauding run, which he likes to do every game, which we've got used to. And it's, it's brilliant that he does that because it does create, um, you know, space for other people and obviously triggers runs and God knows what else. But the one thing that you could notice it straight away was just Shaka would sit. Or whoever was furthest forward out of that, that midfield pairing was holding straight away. That you could literally just watch them slotting. Um, And it's just that, that awareness, that, familiarity now i think that's what we're starting to see maybe with this this side i think familiarity is a a really big thing um you know one of the things i remember talking about early especially when we were looking at ben white's um performances in the early stages season i remember turning around to steve in, in one of our early podcasts and i said well it's it's hard for him to to land on his feet he's in a new club he, he hadn't had a settled pairing or you know he had leno behind him at the beginning and then Rob Holding, I believe. I mean, look, I do, yeah, I'll probably lose track of how many defenders we've had in there. But you get the point. It's that we now know the starting eleven. These players now know the starting eleven as well. They know who except who, who where where does Tommy Arsenal like the ball? You know, where does Ramsdale like it passed back to his left or right? Does he like it straight to feet? Does he like it right? These little things that you know you pick up on as you get used to playing with people. And I think we're starting to see the fruition of that. Again, you can't help but have these thoughts. And immediately, Liam, I'm just like, stop getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> stop stop letting yourself do it. It it's is. exciting. It is. And I think, you know, just that word alone, you know, associated with us as Arsenal fans, fuck me, other than the FA Cup, it's been bloody hard to get excited for much in the Premier League over the last number of years. So the fact that, you know, we're, we're bringing that into conversation is great. So I know you didn't want to, controversy we need to go there <laughs> we, we can't we can't not um i'm not going to go into the complete ins and outs of it but our penalty versus their penalty that's where i'm going to start 
Yeah. What's your thoughts on both? Um, okay, so if you take them individually, I, I can sort of see how the referee comes to a decision on, on both. Mm. Whether I agree is another story, but I think the easiest way to, well, the simplest way to explain or where I kind of fall is together, I think either you have to review both or you don't review either. Mm-hmm. I know I think that's been said by almost everybody, but yeah. I, I can't escape that feeling myself. It, it, that's the truth of it. No, I think that's you can, you're right. You can, everybody said it. You can't escape the fact it's it's one of the things from officials that we've been looking for before VAR, during VAR, now. It's, it's the big C word, not cunts. I'm sorry, that's really low, isn't it? But when you were talking about referees, Jesus Christ, it's the one I want to use. The word I'm actually looking for is consistency. Um, we're not we're not getting a lot of it. Um, and look, you can't help but... I mean, I, I watch a lot of football. I don't pay as much attention to other matches as I do Arsenal, right? Um, and I don't feel as much as I do when I'm watching these games unless it's directly affecting the Arsenal. But... Consistency across all games, I believe, with and without VAR, is a problem. Um, I just think, yeah, like you, you should be reviewing both. And the the one thing which frustrated a lot of our players on the day, and rightly so, was the referee's initial reaction. It wasn't just a wave it away; it was a wave away, get up, right? Because we but, all yeah. saw mm-hmm. the theat the theatrics of um, Bernardo Silva, right? And it's annoying because when you see the dive, which was clearly a dive, right? you can tell a dive from a lot, mm-hmm. unless you've got it down to a T, like Tom Daly, for example. Um, I just think... <sighs> so I'm really struggling to even get this out because I'm just, I haven't thought about it as in-depth as I am right now, and it is still frustrating me even, what, a couple of days, you know, two, three days on. But it's just... As soon as you saw the replay, number one, I didn't even need to see it more than once. As soon as I saw the shirt pull, I know this has been said, I just went shit. <laughs> because you knew it, it's, it's regardless of whether, you, you know, it, yeah. Yeah, the, the letter, letter of law, the law yeah. says, if you pull a shirt, it is a foul. It's an infringement. If it's in the box, that also means penalty. If it's outside the box, it just happens to be a free kick. Yeah. That's yeah. It doesn't take common sense into account. Where if you're pulling the shirt, even though it's falling the other way, you're likely either one holding on for your own uh, balance, or two, mm-hmm. not really sure how he's meant to fall that way. Um, mm-hmm. It's either a dive or the player's not doing it intentionally. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. fouling. He's. It's a consequence of Silver's own movement. Um, problem is common sense. The, you'd like the ref to apply common sense, but. If you've pissed off the ref as we potentially had done, um, potentially, yeah, we, yeah. yeah, then he is. It's like it's like if you take a cut. I work at customer service, so this is a really easy analogy. If you piss off a customer service rep, they will apply the letter of the policy to the absolute T. But if you're kind to them and you sort of are human with them, they will not bend the rules, but they'll give you a little bit of leeway and you apply some common sense to those. Yeah, you'll go and ask the question to your you'll go and ask the question to your seniors, right? Look, I've got someone who's pretty sound on, got an issue. Is there something we can do? Or if you come on all guns blazing like an absolute arsehole, by the way, 
I've worked in customer service myself. You might be able to tell, but I can jump straight on mm-hmm. this. And I, I fully agree with you. Yeah. Um, this is exactly how I used to work. Um, but yeah, if you come on and you're an arsehole, Christ, yeah, I will kill you with kindness, but I will throw the fucking letter of the law at you. And trust me, I ain't helping you because you're yeah. a twat. <laughs> and I, I basically kind of think that's what the referee's done. He's just basically gone, because, um, I mean, nothing else had really happened up to that moment. But mm. it was very noticeable to me that we were hounding the ref a lot more than we usually do. And I wonder if that irked the referee, rightly or wrongly. Not saying that's the rightly right way wrongly, for the referee yeah. to apply the law. But mm-hmm. I think if, and this is completely hypothetical, I do not know what goes through the referee's mind. I could be completely off. Mm-hmm. But I tend to find that as a referee, if you've pissed me off, because I've been there and I've been in the, in the centre circle myself, I will mm-hmm. apply a letter of the law to an absolute T. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, so say whether you like it or not, and it's usually you don't. Yeah, usually you don't. I mean, just a side caveat on referees, as we have discussed in this podcast before. I am the son of a referee, or an ex-referee, I should say. Um, so trying to have this conversation with someone like him, fucking hell, is it the most restrained? Because he wants to be biased for Arsenal. And then he wants to be biased for the men in black. Mm-hmm. Because they've just got this weird... It's like the goalkeeper club, but times a fucking hundred. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's mental. I know. I always remember, like... Trust me, you don't know frustration, by the way, until you've played a match where your dad has refereed on more than one occasion and been booked by your father for what, Liam? Gobbing off. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, it's, you know, I've seen some mad, you know, I've fucking experienced some mad stuff with referees and my dad, you know what, falls into that category. Even, you know, he's my dad, I love him, but he's still a ref. (laughs) He's a ref at heart. So I bought this T-shirt when I was younger and it was it was just a classic. I can't remember the shot. I think it doesn't even exist anymore. But it was, uh, it just said the Weffer Weezer ranker on it. He didn't like it. He didn't like it one bit. Um, but I used to wear I'm it. sure. Yeah. I, it was just, I bought it because I knew it would annoy him. That's the only reason. Yeah, but the problem is, as we were just saying, don't piss off a ref. Now, I'm not sure if we did piss him off. Or The other thing to consider is that um, I think Clive PAFC, if I remembered his Twitter handle right, on the Arsenal Vision podcast, made a really Mm -hmm. good point that if a referee's got an assessor in the building or watching their game... Yes, I heard this point. They are the worst games. Um, And I don't think I've experienced it myself, but his point makes total sense, is that if you're being assessed by a referee, by another... Um, by mm. your boss, you do ap- everything to an absolute to you stick by right. letter of the law. On that point, right? Because I, I heard this point as well. And it was even when I used to play, I, I wasn't amazing, I was decent enough, but county premier, right? You 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 could have you would see it if, if the referee was there and there was a sester there on that day, you knew ref was gonna be on his game. Now look, mm-hmm. that's that's at amateur level, very different. And this is where my, my brain just went, yeah, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Clive, to a point. But these games are televised fucking everywhere, all over the world, every week. You're on show and being reviewed, like players, in my opinion, every week. So what's yeah, the difference? Just of- because he's sat in the stand. It's like... Now, what you could apply this to like... Be- when, sorry, just before you come in there, Sian, sorry, it's like when Gareth Southgate comes to watch England players. I mean, like, do all the English players then play better because he's there? 
I don't necessarily think so anymore. I think, though, you know, I think just because there's so much media and TV available to us, we can watch whatever game we want from wherever yeah. we want. We can watch. But anyway, sorry, you wanted to come in there. Yeah, my, my broader point was, though, in the same uh, sense, you've got VAR there looking over your shoulder and referees have come into the spotlight a bit more recently. And I think what tends to happen is when referees come into the spotlight, they start to make more, at least perceived errors because they start mm. to look at things under a microscope and they go, well, letter of the law says a shirt pull is a foul, so I've got to give the foul. Um, mm-hmm. I can't conclusively tell you whether Erdegaard stamped on Edison or Edison kicked through Erdegaard or whether yeah. Erdegaard got the ball first, depending on which angle, uh, where Edison got the ball first, depending mm. on which angle you choose. So if I've not yeah. got conclusive proof, I, I, I don't dare give it. So I think from that perspective, you, the, the referee will stick it to a T and mm. they have to, ha- and if they see something so conclusive that they mm. have to reward or there isn't anything conclusive, they don't give. I think that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, you had to bring up VAR. I mean, we can't not when we're talking about this, but a lot of this stuff is still very subjective, isn't it? And I think that's the problem. Um, you know, you've got Atwell one week on VAR, maybe, and then you've got someone else the next week. Like you said, it should be letter of the law, but it's the problem there is the subjective piece, and that's whether it goes to VAR or not. But the biggest issue with VAR, in my personal opinion, is not just the subjectivity of it, but it's the, you know, again, it's the consistency of, you know, we'll go back. Why did you review one and not the other? And it's this clear and obvious error. This is the bit that makes it incredibly subjective because what I might think or what someone else might think is clear and obvious might not be to the other person. Um, you know, I think like where that said, comes in. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I could jump in. There. No, no, the, go ahead. The, yeah, the only thing with that, though, is that. In, in the case of the Xhaka one, it's it technically. Well, I'm, I'm going to stick clear, clear and uh, clear and obvious that phrasing, but it is black and white that a shirt pull is a True. foul. Um, mm. Unfortunately, it doesn't take into. It's like the hand to compare it to the handball rule. Do you remember mm. last season they said if the ball was going in and it hits your hand, whether it was accidental or not, black and white penalty or mm. whatever way it needs mm. to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it's the same principle. A shirt pull's a shirt pull. If it's in the box, it's there for a penalty, ergo mm. penalty awarded. And if the mm. referee didn't spot, uh, where the clear and obvious comes in is if the referee communicates he didn't see a shirt pull, but VIR see there clearly is because there's a triangle there. Mm. Uh, that's the giveaway. They have to give it. You know what's I mad don't though? like it. I don't like just it, that's that. the rule. Yeah. It was mad though. I'm just thinking now, I bet. I mean, actually, hang on. Correct me on this. I can't remember. Did the referee give the penalty at first? He didn't for them, did he? Uh, no, he, he was doing, as you said, he waved it away very... This is the bit then. This is the bit that frustrates me then is... So the penalty was actually given for not even the shirt. He didn't see the shirt pull until he went to VAR. Mm-hmm. Correct. So I've heard. So the media reporting says. Yeah. I mean, look, it is what it is. We could go back and forth for bloody hours on refs and performances with Arsenal full stop. I mean, there's been so many this, examples down there. Yeah, coming on to clear and obvious, though, that I, I agree that it is a utter dross of wording. Um, it just... The problem is not everything in football is black and white. So if something's mm. subjective, don't add another layer of subjectivity onto it. And what it mm. does is, one, is to get out of jail. 
uh, excuse if you don't want to give a penalty. It's get well, it's not clear and obvious, so fuck it. Um, mm. It sort of um, abdicates responsibility a little bit, I think. Mm. The other problem um, when you set when when we're talking clear and obvious is you're not refereeing the incident and looking at the foul. You're looking at whether the referee made a clear or obvious error. Well, I'm sorry mm. if there's a foul, it's a foul. If the referee didn't give a foul, in my opinion, clear and obviously he should have given it. Um, yeah, that's I I think they'd start to decide. Well, they start to go. Well, it should have probably should have been a penalty, but I'm not sure it's a clear and obvious error, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't agree. That's the right way to go. I really, I just I can't understand how that's the right way to go. Yeah, no, true. And it's funny that you said that. You know, I think you kind of said it there. Where you know, referees just get away with it, right? They're not held accountable. And there's a few things that pop into my mind that, you know, how do you tackle that? Because I don't, it's very different, right? A referee's performance to a player's performance is different and there should be different. You can't, I think the point was made on either Arsenal Vision or the Arsenal, uh, the Arscast Extra. It was, what if you drop a senior referee, right? In football, in a footballist's terms, you, you know, in a bad game, I want to drop him for next week because he didn't perform last week. The problem is, is who the fuck that we bring in. Um, that's yeah. there's not enough quality. One of the things that also blew my mind was that all referees are from 25 miles of Manchester. Is that true? Is it really? I, didn't I don't know. know. That if that's he, true. he could have been taking the piss. It could have been taking the piss. Um, or being very sarcastic. But when he said it, I was like, fucking no way, really. I mean, it kind of makes sense because I think about it again. I think of my dad, right? And I thought, you know, how he went through the lower leagues, referees got up to semi-pro level, and it's just like. Um, referees are centred around the leagues in which they ref in areas so it makes you know so they can get there now look I know I'm thinking you know I'm just trying to think I'm trying to think logically here so I can make some of this make any fucking sense to be honest with you um, but obviously Manchester's fairly central-ish to the UK accessible maybe um, I mean if anyone does know that please do let me know Uh but yeah, fucking hell. I mean, I could talk about the refs. I mean, the PGMOL, PGMOL is it? Is that the, the group? Or as I like to say it lately, the last couple of days, PGMO, fuck off. Um, bunch of bastards, to be honest with you. But look, it's not just us um, who has this frustration with them. But the thing that really gets my goat um, with this group is we claim to be or like to really rub it into everybody else that this is the best league in the world. We attract the best talent in the world to this league. So why on earth can we not attract the greatest referees in the world to this league as well? Because clearly, it's fucking obvious, isn't it? It's, it's as clear as day that we do not have the talent in the UK. And if we do, we ain't using it very well. And the people that are managing this group of individuals a below par. Um, maybe it's Rouse and Lehi. Maybe that's what he's doing with his job these days. Who fucking knows? <laughs> it's just one of those where it's really, really frustrating. Um, and I, I, I've been a strong advocate for this for years, by the way, bringing referees. I think there was one guy, I think, come over from Australia. Jared Gillett, who was, who was also on VAR duty <laughs> during the game. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not even joking. 
That's and then really everything I just said, everything I just said, fuck it, put it in the bin. Put it in the bin. No, you know what I'm trying to say. I just think, you know, why not have Italian, Germans? You know, I know we all want to be the best in our own league. I get that. But you're telling me that if we pay them better, attract them in, just like we do the players, you'd be involved in the greatest, most watched league in the world. You know, imagine having Cleaner in there back in the day. That might be before your time, so apologies. Um, no, I know him. I know of him. He's a legend, that would be right? good fun. Good fun. It would have been, yeah. I would have loved to have seen Kalina take charge of a fucking feisty Premier League match. Crikey, that would have been brilliant. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's lots of top, top referees out there, and I do think there's a solution there. One thing I'd love to see as well, by the way, is referees interview after matches. Every week. I, I do. I think, fuck it, man. Like, you want to be in the game? Like, if, if, if a striker misses an opportunity, he's got to come out and go, oh, what happened? Misses a penalty or got sent off. Manager's got to deal with tough questions afterwards, whether he wants to or not. It's part of the job. Make it part of theirs. Oh, can sorry, Mr. Referee, can you just explain to us how you gave that decision, please? Yeah, here's a bit of clarification for you. And we might, add, it might, if they just open the doors and be more transparent with this, they might actually explain it in a way where we go, I mean, I'm tr- not thinking of the City game because I don't think they could explain that in any way that makes sense to us. But, um, you know, they might come out every now and again and be like, well, yeah, we, we, we looked at it from this and we thought this. And we might go, all right, fair enough. I might, I might still be not happy with it, but at least fair, fair fucking play to you. You came out and actually owned your decision. And I think that's what gets our goat the most. Is they just don't. And I see the logic and I'm all for more transparency, but I'm not sure if interviews are the way to go. The, mm. my, my reason is twofold. One, I think it gives them an, uh, an opportunity to explain away and talk bollocks, um, which I, I don't particularly want. And I mentioned organic earlier in the pod. I don't think mm. if you give them a chance to do an interview after the game, I don't think mm. their reasoning, reasoning will be as organic as, say, they were mic'd up. If they're mic'd up here at the moment and they're explaining their decision, you get Thank the you. same... You do get the same... Um, a result, but it's you can at least it's be sure that it's, it's organic, unfabricated as well. Yeah, no, actually, Liam, do you but, know what? That's spot on, spot on. Um, that's but, that's yeah, I had a second um reason as well. I'll let you have it. I'm gonna know, let you have it. We don't need it. The, only, the only reason I do I, I asked to bring this up though is because it leads into a slightly broader discussion. In that, on, I think if you give opportunities for referees to try and explain themselves. The problem when you try to, if you say no and you give a reason to somebody mm. in any walk of life, you're open to you're open to further questions and further uh, interrogation. And I think mm. with the with what's already quite a sensitive field in some respects, where referees get a lot of flack at all levels of the grain, from grassroots to semi pros to professionals. Mm. Mm-hmm. I I think you open them up to that world and. I'm not I'm not minded to see more of it because I think yeah. it has put us into a bit of a vicious circle and everyone abuses refs, so no one wants to referee. So we've got crap refs who get abused and it and it becomes this vicious circle. I think you've got to break mm. that chain somewhere. And yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. Really, really good point. Well put across as well. Um, I'm still thinking about the mic'd up thing as well, by the way. Because I just think, <laughs> you know, we've seen it, we've seen it in rugby for years. For mm. years, and it works. Um, and, and they're respect- so well respected so well respected literally just said it, the respect that these guys have um, as soon as they open their mouths lads are listening 
But the one thing that's also key on it, that mic's not on for the duration of the game. It only comes on when they need, you know, if they're talking to the, was it the T- TMO? I don't know what it's called in rugby, but, you know, video ref, basically, VAR. Mm. You know, they, you can hear them explaining it. Oh, is it a try? This is what I'm looking for. You can hear the conversation, the back and forth. Why can't we just have that transparent when they're going through the VAR decisions? Oh, can I just see it from this angle? This is what I'm looking for. No, I can't see it. Or yes, I can see that you are in a position to award a penalty or no, we don't think you are. This whole thing of going over to the monitor is bollocks. Actual bollocks. The referee should not have to do that regardless, in my opinion. There should be someone educated enough with a bit of common sense to be able to go, Mr. Atwell, I think you might have missed something there, mate. Yeah, just give that penalty. Have faith in each other's ability to work as a fucking team, as you do with the linesman before VAR. If he put his flag up and he said it was offside, you had to go, he's fucking offside. He's me, yeah, mate. Like cricket happens in cricket as well. Uh, they mm-hmm. they review a decision. Uh, mm-hmm. They tell the umpire, yeah, he's out. And so the umpire raises his finger. Now, it's a bit more conclusive a lot of the time in mm-hmm. cricket. It's a bit more black and white. But the point mm. remains, it's not like an umpire is then going over to a screen uh, and reviewing it himself. He goes, he gets yeah. word from people who can see it on a screen and says, you've missed something. Um, in this case, you need to, he's out, raise your finger, he's out. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I think I'd love to see some transparency in it. Um, I mean, look, how long have we had VAR now? Three seasons now, is it? Give or take. Or yeah, I think this is his third season. I think it's a, we're in the third season. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those where, look, we're three seasons in, seen little bits of improvement, but I think we're all kind of looking for that, that same thing now. And I think yeah, you touched on something else really important there, and that is fucking who wants to be a ref? You know, I grew up with the phrase, and I, I say this to my dad all the time. He, put, well, he probably hates me as being his son, to be honest with you. I was like, if you can't play it, ref it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just well, if you love the game, which you do. I, I see this is what my theory on how we solve this refereeing problem because referees aren't just there to apply the, the laws of the game to the letter. As I say, there is a level of, uh, of common sense um, that, that needs to be applied to the laws of the game. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, these referees haven't played the game. But even though they're on, but the guys on VAR, they're not even in the stadium able to tell what the temperature of the game is the what the heat of the moment how how, like we all talk about heat of the moment but you don't know how hot it is unless you're actually in it um true i just want to cut can i just cut in on that point real quick i just want to say i get it i get what you're saying but again if you're experiencing the game player or not if you've watched the game enough it's like me like i can be watching the game on tv in a different fucking country pal i can tell if that's a fucking heated atmosphere or it's a, it's a feisty... Yeah. You just know. You know the game. You can, but I just mean from the sense of um, how the players are, are feeling. What are the players saying to you? And how are they feeling? What's the good Arsenal point. captain? Just that sort of perspective. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. So what I'd like to see is that we all see players, after they retire, they go straight into management or coaching, but you don't seem to do anything else unless it's outside of football or it's a bit of punditry or something like that. I'd love to see some ex-professional players go and start RS. becoming a referee because pr- players retire at third between 35 and 40. Mike Dean's in the referee is refereeing at 50 something. Yeah. These lads are super fit as well. I mean, fair like look, if you don't want to be a, a ref, that's fine. But mm-hmm, of course. Fucking 
put them in the VAR position. These are players who get what it's like to play at the highest level. Put them in there. So the second thing it will do, though, is could you imagine, right, maybe a bad example from an Arsenal context, but Mesut Ozil, he has one hell of a following, doesn't mm. he? Just, or Messi or Ronaldo. Imagine mm. one of them guys or someone who has that kind of stature. I don't think they will, but someone of that stature goes and becomes a referee. How many kids will that inspire to become referees? And we were just saying yeah. that players don't... Kids don't want to be referees because they don't want the abuse. Or they, it's not cool. It's not the it's not the cool thing to do. They don't no. want to do that. All their mates are playing. Imagine Messi yeah, becomes a referee or Ozil with his following or Cristiano Ronaldo, mega mm. star, famous players, becomes a referee. That will inspire so many kids. And you'd not everyone would make it, but you'd get a bloody big huh. selection pool and the band, there'll be plenty that are very good. Yeah, it's just, you wanted to make it aspirational. But I kind of I need to ask you a question just on this very subject because it's all very fucking pie in the sky stuff, isn't it? But <laughs> if you could see one player, retired or not, referee, who would it be? Oh, you put me on the spot. There's a lot of footballers out there in that world. There's a lot. Um, there are a lot. I, I can't. None really spring to mind. But wouldn't Granite Jack be really good fun? No, I think he'd just send everybody off because he's just pissed <laughs> off from the internal. Mine would be um, Roy Keane. Imagine Roy Keane as a ref. I, yeah, I can't uh, stand the bloke. I can't. I cannot stand. Ever since he came out and said, I wanted to end Haaland's career. Like, that's fucking low. Great footballer. Mm. He's one of those lads you'd love in your side you hate to play against. But arsehole, ultimately, for doing that. But as a ref, yeah, that would work. No one's giving him shit. No, true. The only thing is with, with the idea of players is they all have their club allegiances. Like, could you imagine Roy Keane referring a Man United or a Man City game? Or Jack mm. Wilshere referring a Spurs game? Or someone who's got such an affiliation or such a, a love for a certain football club? That's referees well, are, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, referees can't referee uh, teams where them or a member of their family have season tickets for. Um, they Or within, or if they live within close proximity. So there yeah, is complications. Bias, yeah. There is complications to it. I'm not saying that's a perfect solution, but mm. I would like to just see some players going into refereeing, at least publicly, even if they don't ref Premier League, just to either they they get the game, you can increase the quality in all leagues, all divisions. Mm. But also then uh, it just it's a bit of an inspirational tool. Um I think it would do wonders for the refereeing uh, community in the within the game. I I I think, yeah, it's not perfect, but I think it's a pretty good start where it would be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and as we say the word start, I think we should finish talking about referees because you've gone <laughs> a bit red in the face. So have I. Um, we're getting a bit agitated talking about these these rankers, as my T-shirt used to say. <laughs> but anyway, look, we'll, we'll shift some gears. Um, we'll leave the, the City game there. I think, look, Overall, positive, right? Um, as much as yeah. it felt negative at the time, I think you know there were so many great things that, that came out of that loss, which is really unusual. So, with City behind us, we move on to the League Cup again this week, um, and we have another test. Would be a really weird game this one, actually, I think. But we got Liverpool at home, I believe, on Thursday mm-hmm. evening. If it goes, are you feeling? Oh, why are you saying that? What have you seen that I haven't today? Come on. 
they had to, Liverpool had to cancel training, I think, earlier today. Uh, the club's open, but they had to cancel training. There's loads of COVID cases. I think they're struggling, so not sure if it, the game will even go ahead now. Right. Do you, should we just leave that there? Do you mean, how do you feel about it? Do you want to talk about it, or should we just... Yeah, it's a bit difficult to say. I mean, Isn't we it? could either talk, one, how I feel going into it and whether I'm confident what the team will be, blah, 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 blah. Or, well, what happens if they cancel it? What should we do in that scenario? Um, Play it another day. <laughs> it's all we got. Yeah. It's all we got. One thing that does keep being, you know, pinging into my mind, though, is... Well, everybody else, when I say everybody else, that's probably, you know, much broader term than I should use than I probably should, but everyone else seems to be getting affected by, the, you know, COVID and shutting training grounds and all this sort of stuff. I know look, Arteta's had it for the second time, by the way. Um, but what what's going on with with us? Like we don't seem to be getting as fucked by this latest strain as as others. Um, this is another thing, by the way. I don't want to go into this, by the way, but I think it's very perspective uh, or circumstantial to a lot of clubs, and I think there's a lot of bullshit going on behind the scenes as well. Injuries, yeah, so- COVID, get games called off. Certainly wouldn't have shocked me. I think, you know, see, the way I thought about it was, well, Liverpool have had a couple of cases and the way that, you know, virus transmits it, how, how contagious mm. it all is, well, you get one, you get a three, you get seven, you get 15 uh, COVID cases. But we we have had, Arteta's got it, coaching staff have had it, uh, Tommy Asu had it. I think a couple of others have been out, Maitland-Niles at one stage. Has, so it's been around, it's just not quite escalated and we're in also to think we're in London Liverpool are far up north London's meant to be the hub of this uh, new variant exactly, exactly. that's so, the way it just doesn't add up I don't know if it's just club protocols are being followed better by our players I don't know if it's well I was going to say vaccination rates but as uh, Klopp was going on about how well vaccinated he is and how he preaches being vaccinated um mm. it's difficult to say i think there's probably is some bullshit going on but then liverpool have been fulfilling their fixtures even without van dyke and fabinho they haven't been finding excuses to call it off mm. so i'm, I'm not, not yeah sure. i'm not sorry i should caveat i'm not saying that i think this is some sort of you know, scheme by liverpool for say because to be honest no, yeah, i don't think yeah i think they'll want to played this game as much as we do this week, even though it means more to us. Let's be perfectly honest about that. But anyway, look, I guess we yeah, have Liverpool. If it goes ahead, fantastic. If it doesn't, not so fantastic, is it really? I was, you know, it'd be nice to have a Thursday evening game. We don't get many midweek games, do we, Liam, anymore? Don't know why. No. Uh, don't know what happened there. Do you know? We used to fucking get midweek games all the time. What happened? So, yeah, I mean, sure. look, I hope we get to, to go to Liverpool. I think both sides would be relatively changed if it goes ahead, um, COVID or not. Uh, I think... Liverpool have not really taken this competition as seriously as it may appear. And I think this one, like we discussed recently in the, the knock-on effect it might have for not just winning a trophy, taking the pressure off, etc. And getting back into Europe, there's a lot more onus on us. So, before we move on to on this day, it's a good one as well, actually, this, this week. Um, I just wanted to quickly get your one good, one bad. Uh, I did ask you before your pod if you had them ready. You said you'd have them ready. Looking at your well, face right now, that's um, oh, you do well. I at least have my good. I have to try and remember what my bad is. Okay. I did think of one, okay? Um, go for the good, and um, we'll do we'll both do our goods together. 
and that gives you a bit more time to think about your bad. So you, you've got this host of Malarkey down to a T. Um, my good is the Emirates crowd. I thought they were absolutely superb. Uh, at no, least that's how it came through on the TV, and I have no reason to doubt it didn't in real life either. Thought they were mm. absolutely fantastic, right behind the team from start, mm. from minute one to minute ninety, down to ten men in the ascendancy. Absolutely phenomenal throughout. Really were well superb. That's my good. Sure. No, that's that's a good one. I like that. Um, so right, whilst you think about your bad, quick, get thinking. My good, <laughs> my good is actually. A bit of a cop-out, but not. It's the performance of Arsenal on Sunday, but it's caveated with without Arteta being on the sidelines, right? And the reason why I'm so happy about this is, you know, Arteta's first season in charge ultimately was in a COVID world. And one of the things that I always used to see, we've discussed it on the pod, was, you remember when we used to have water breaks as well, when we were playing through summer? How weird is that to look back on, by the way? But when we had those little breaks, if we were playing poorly... Arteta would come on, speak to him for five minutes, and then we'd find our feet and maybe go and score a goal. Um, and then it translu- you know, translated sorry, into fucking hell. Like Arteta needs to speak to every player for 90 minutes, telling him what, telling them all what to do and instructing them what to do throughout the game. This was something which was really obvious. So yeah, my one good for this week was the fact that we managed to do this game plan, which is obviously you know done, done by Arteta going into the game. And him not shouting there for 90 minutes, it worked. Everyone knows what they're doing. Now, look, yeah, there was a chap on the sideline. What was his name? He's a du- is oh, he Dutch? He is Dutch. And uh, it's quite funny. Was... Stovenberg. Oh, fuck me. So it's not Stevenberg, no? Unfortunately not, as uh, I think Elliot yeah. tried to pronounce from Arsenal Vision. Yeah, I knew you'd have it down, though. And, he's like, and he's, what's his first name again? Oh, shit, shit. Jack, Albert. Jack. Albert, Jakob, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I know. Albert, what a great name. What a great name, full stop, actually. But no, Mr. AirPods, as we, we used to know him. Yeah, he's done, uh, you know, he, he would have been relaying on messages as we saw. There was a new Mr. AirPods uh, on Sunday. He was just literally on the phone to Arteta, I'd say, for, for 90 minutes, which is fine. It's what you'd expect. But yeah, overall, it was the fact that we could carry out that game plan without Arteta giving out the instructions. Mm literally every second of the game. So that's my one good. So That's a great shout. Great shout. Thank you very much, mate. What's your one bad? Or do you need me to go first? No, 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 I've got it. Uh, go on, last minute winners or 90th minute winners. Fuck them. I thought it was bad enough. City, then Spurs had to go and do it against Watford. Fuck yeah, 90th minute winners. They can go to hell. Fucking 94th minute winners are even fucking worse. Actually, 90... Yeah, hang on. Was, there, was City's and Spurs goals both in the 94th minute as well? I think they were. No, I think Spurs. I think Cities was ninety two or ninety three. Spurs was quite late because they had there was a medical emergency no, no, in the yeah. crowd and they had about eight minutes of injury time. And I think it was something like ninety six. Well, anyway, side note, just on that, that's becoming quite frequent, isn't it? Medical what emergency in three. I don't remember any like this before, but there's been three this season. Two of which have been at Watford. Two at Watford. Yeah. It's- yeah. Strange. Yeah, it is a bit odd, isn't it? It is a bit odd. Okay, so, yeah, bad. It was funny when you said it. I was like, the last-minute winners are fucking great. Yeah, when they're for you, not when it's against <laughs> This you, weekend. Right? Let's caveat it, let's like yeah. say, this weekend. This weekend. <laughs> okay, okay, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. My one bad is not football-related. Check this out. 
Usually it is. I know it is. My one bad, and anybody who loves a real Christmas tree will get this. I love a real Christmas tree, right? Love the smell, all that jazz. But Jesus Christ, when you have to undecorate it and remove it from your house, what a fucking nightmare and palaver that is. Needles everywhere. Marks on the walls. Yeah, it's just one of those. I just, I love it. I love getting it in there and decorating it. Oh, it's great having a real tree in it. You always forget how crap it is removing the fucker. So that's my one bad this week. Also, I've ever had one. I'm, I'm used to having the, the fake one, just financial reasons more than anything. And now it's just practical reasons these days. Um, yeah, but that's fair. I'm not, luckily, well, I say luckily, I'm actually very jealous. Uh, I'm no longer in my uh, early 20s anymore, like you, mate. Um, so I'm at the stage where I'm married and bored uh, most of the time. That's just what it's like to be in adult life. But um, I'm a bit mental where I've got one real and one fake tree in the house because my missus loves the perfection of a fake tree, but I don't think you can beat the real thing. So there you go. That's fair. Each to their own. Each to their own is right. Real trees are the best trees. Anyway, moving on. One good... Actually, well, I just did that, sorry. On this day, on this day, um, is a good game. You might have seen it come up on the social medias already today. Just for clarification, today being Tuesday, the 4th of January. Uh, so on this day, as we were around FA Cup weekend, was a resounding 2-0 victory over the scum from down the road. So 2014 at the Emirates, 2-0 victory over the Spuds. Can you name that starting 11, which as per the BBC was a 4-2-3-1? Okay, okay. In goal, oh, it's one or two. I'm going to go with Chesney, but it might be Fabianski. Right. I'm going to just... And help a little bit because I'm not Steve. Think about it. What is it? Well, we went on to win it. So it probably was Fabianski. It was Fabianski. It was oh, Fabianski. Yeah. And the reason why I want you to think about it is this is Arsene Wenger and he loved the cup keeper at this stage. So actually, every club is... loves a cup keeper, don't they? That is true. I just can't quite remember when Chesney came into the Premier League side because Fabianski had started to do well at a point and I all gets muddled. But yeah. I was yeah. just giving myself an excuse. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't need one, mate. You, you were there. You, you knew it. You knew it. I knew you knew it. You knew it. It's fine. So we got there. That back four. If we got in that back four. Um, I presume we weren't, I think we went pretty strong. It's so I'm going to say Sanya. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be Sanya. Mm-hmm. Then it's got to be on the other side of Gibbs. It's not Gibbs on the other side. Oh, it isn't. Okay. I think we just weirdly upgraded. Well, not just. Yeah. Okay, because it was a January signing, but I can't remember which January. And it'd be Ooh. a bit early. It must have been this one of his first games then. Well, let's be honest with you again. Could have been the year before then, but um, could have been, could Could well have been. I'm not to be honest with you. My last one, yes, it is. It is because I went to do you remember we played at home to Blackburn? Uh, we lost one nil, I think we did. Um, I can't remember the goal scorer, 
but I was mm. there and it was one of my first games back in a little while and I'm sure Monreal played and we okay. lost to them so we obviously couldn't have won it. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, that yeah. Makes, suddenly makes sense. Finally, something makes sense to me. Back to, yeah, the centre-half pairing. Oh, God. Koscielny. Koscielny, yep. Yeah. It's been fairly solid so far. Big Per, BFG. BFG was not. He was on the bench. Yeah, that's the easy one. So I want to say Vermaelen, but I don't think oh, he was there. It is. Judging by it your is nodding. Yeah, I'm nodding away like a little donkey over here. But yeah, he's uh, <laughs> it Vermaelen. Yeah, Thomas Vermaelen. I forget yeah. how long he was around for, in all honesty. He's, he's still at Barcelona. <laughs> no, I think he's in China. He I think he's in China, China somewhere, or, or Russia, or somewhere like that. I'm fair play to him, but he, yeah, there's another one. Oh. Should, should know that. Yeah, yeah, I think if I remember rightly, actually, I think he's at the same club Podolski is at. I don't I even know where that bloke is anymore. I cannot keep up with him. That I'm sure he's in China as well. Oh, well, no, anyway, he came back and went and played. And no, Vissel Kobe, Vissel Kobe, or Kobe, Kobe something. Yeah, it's the it's the funny enough. Now that makes sense. It was the place where Xavi was managing. Is that correct? Xavi? No, he was no. over in Qatar. Was no, he was in like Saudi. He's it's Japanese, Saudi. not yeah. China. Japan, not China. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Look. Anyways, I've just proved to everybody my football knowledge outside of Arsenal, or even sometimes inside of Arsenal, is pretty shit. Pretty good. Don't ask me how I knew. I really don't know how I knew that. Anyways. Anyway, um, we've got two midfielders. Who are the men? One of them, well, I don't know if he was playing in the in the two or the three, but Kazula. He was in the three. He was in the three. Okay. Well, we know Kazula because because he scored. Mm-hmm. Um the other two, would Coquelin have played? Nope. No oh, when okay. it. <laughs> Oh my god! I've just actually had a full glance on our bench. <laughs> you went. <laughs> oh, it could be good fun. Mm-hmm. Wilshire, correct. Or oh. who would the other have been? See, I know the other goal scorer, but because all is in that three, I've got a mm. funny feeling it's not Rosicki. He's also. I'm just going to let you have that. He's also in the three. Oh, okay. midfielder. Still missing a holding midfielder. Well, if we were Which going song? for this lineup. Which song, song have been around at this time? Nowhere near it. Not no. on the bench. Oh, the big boss, Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta, yeah, he was. Yeah, I forget. Boss. How do I forget that he is? A, he did start games for Arsenal at one stage or another for quite a few years. Yeah, <laughs> was that for a while? Yeah. Look, mate, trust me. When you get to my age, you know, in another fucking 10, 15 years, however far it is away from it, trust me, you forget a lot of shit. It just happens. <laughs> so anyway, you've got two of the, the, the three behind the, the striker. So who is the other? I think I think we have to have a disclaimer here. Yeah. We've cheated slightly talking about this pre, pre-pod. Good old Serge Gnabry. Serge Gnabry, yeah. Who would have thought, eh, that he would go on to be the player that he is? Fucking hell, that's frustrating to watch, isn't it? Uh, imagine we still had him. Oh, Imagine I think it was quite him. good for us. He had some good games. Scored against Swansea, I think. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah he looked good. There was potential. Which he just never, and weirdly, because you look at that era of this club, never got a chance. Um, no, but then weirdly, of... Joel, do you remember Joel Campbell at not too dissimilar time? Now, yeah, I, I do remember Joel looked, Campbell. I think it was a couple of years later, but he also looked, a bit, he reminded me of Serge Nabry in the way that he got a couple of chances, he scored a couple of goals, he sort of seemed all right. But he's yeah. gone into a different one, different direction. Yeah, he's, got, he's gone somewhere the complete different direction. But it's funny you mentioned Joel Campbell. I used to like watching Joel Campbell. Um, and I thought there was a player there. We just never really... I did too. I just never thought we let him have his, a proper run at the, the starting 11. Um, well, look, hindsight, magical thing. Fucking up. By the way, I must just point out, we've been going for over an hour. That's the first time we mentioned the word hindsight. That's got to be a new bloody record for the for the podcast. So anyway, Nabry aside, who do we finish with up front on the day? Oh, well, got to be Mr. Walker. Sign Man himself. Mr. Side Man? Sign Man. He signs the 2-0 as it comes up. I tried to make oh, that work. I'm not sure if I did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't like, I, I, my mind went to sign the team because that's where that all started. Oh, I'm true. correct. Um, but yeah, well, that was on this day. I mean, as I said, I may as well just quickly go through the subs because they were a barrel of laughs on this particular uh, particular game. Mertesacker, Podolski, Ozil, Flamini, Jenkinson, Park. I've left the goalkeeper for last. I don't know if we haven't played, but I remember the name, but Viviano. Oh, Miliano Viviano. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Italians That's and Arsenal just doesn't go, by the way. You've never noticed. No. When was the last Italian? Who was the last Italian we had? Um, it would have been another goalkeeper, Vito Menone. Oh, and before that, I think you've got to go back to Lupoli. Lupoli, who played... Around that invincible time, that's really made it either. Um, yeah, I don't think we've ever had a decent Italian player ever. Someone that's impressive. Going, You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, we're going to correct us soon. Um, but so, yeah, yeah. That, that's an interesting bench. It's stronger than I thought, but then has some uh, significant. What, is someone out? Or did I say in Park? Park, whatever his name was. Yeah, Park. Fucking hell. Adaboy was playing for Spurs that day. What wanker. Side night. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't stand that brick. It's really annoying. I've got, I don't know how I've told you this. I've got a football shirt signed by, I've told you the story of going over to PSV, etc. but I've got the shirt signed by Henri and then who was, was he fucking chilling with? Adeboyor. So he signed my shirt and I was just like, great at the time, but you know, two years later, I was like, you're a wanker. Why are you on my shirt? Just ruined it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, that's, that's first world problems for you. So that was on this day. Um, yeah, he did solid there. Very solid. And it's always nice to talk about being Tottenham, isn't it? doesn't matter. doesn't matter when it was, as long as we beat the scum. It's always great. Let's hope, let's hope we can do so again in, what, 10 days or so time. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's our next league game, isn't it? Because uh, we've got the, the cup sandwich going on at the minute. Obviously, the potential Liverpool doubleheader and then Forest, uh, which would be great. But look... I guess we should probably leave it there, Liam. We've been rattling on for a while, and I don't know about you. I'm starting to get a bit peckish. Uh, you're an hour ahead of me, so you must be starving, if I am. You know Indeed. I mean? But um, look, as always, we just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. 
Uh, and if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. We greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to follow us on any of the major social media platforms, please feel free to do so. Steve, our usual host, can be found on Twitter and Instagram at In The Clock End. Myself, Kelvin, you'll find me on Twitter at underscore the arse underscore and Instagram at the Arsenal shirt. And Liam, he can be found on Twitter at Gronin Gunnar. Please keep an eye on our social feeds for the next podcast. But until then, look after yourselves, look after each other. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>